The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Nehemiah chapter number 2, in a moment we'll be in verse number 17. Nehemiah chapter number 2, verse number 17. In our current series, The God Who Builds, we're studying the Old Testament book uh, entitled Nehemiah. We're literally going through this book verse by verse. Uh, For those of you who may not be familiar with this portion of the scriptures, uh, Nehemiah was the governor of Jerusalem at a very difficult time uh, in the history of Israel. And yet even in the midst of these difficult times, uh, God really does some incredible things through the leadership of Nehemiah as well as the nation of Israel as a whole. Now, our theme for this particular series has been this, that God often does his greatest building at the very place of our most agonizing brokenness. And uh, what we're unpacking over these next few weeks is the fact that that part of your life that you feel is just totally messed up, uh, that part of your past, uh, that part of maybe something in your story that just seems like it's entirely broken, what we're seeing from this passage, what we're seeing from this book, is that God literally wants to use the broken parts of your story to do something big in your life through. And so that's kind of how we've been summing up this series. If you're physically able, why don't you join me as we stand uh, to read our text, verse number 17. We'll read down through the end of the chapter, and then we'll take some time to unpack that in our Bible study today. The Word of God says in Nehemiah chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 17. Then said I, this is Nehemiah speaking, unto them, and them is the rulers, those people who are in charge there in Jerusalem. He says, ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come. And let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be, be no more a reproach. Verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat, the Hornite, And Tobiah, the servant, the Amorite, and Geshem, an Arabian, heard it. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Verse 20. Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. I simply want to speak on the subject this morning of the the God who builds through courageous leadership. The God who builds through courageous leadership. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do some of your greatest work in our lives at the very place of our brokenness. And Lord, there might be some people here today and and maybe in some arena of their life, they're experiencing brokenness. And 
And maybe it's in a relationship with somebody they love and, and they feel like the relationship is not all that they would desire for it to be. I pray that you would literally take the broken pieces of that relationship, Lord, that you would put it back together even better than it was before, that you would use the broken pieces of our lives, Lord, to create something beautiful with them. Lord, whether it's in our finances or with our health or maybe something in our spiritual backstory, Lord, whatever the case may be, I, I'm praying and I'm asking, Lord, that you would not just simply work in spite of the brokenness in our lives, but that you would literally use those broken pieces to build something, Lord, that would be for our ultimate good and for your ultimate glory. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, amen. And you may be seated. Our theme for this morning is simply this, that God often pours his grace to the world through spirit-filled leaders. Let me say that again, all right? God often uses leaders as conduits of his grace to people in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and in our worlds. Now, lest anybody who's here today say, well, then I guess this message is not for me because I'm not a leader. I simply want to say to you that that's simply just not the case. In fact, uh, one person said it this way, let no person think that they're not a leader. The reality is this, is a leader is simply anybody who encourages change in the people around them. I'll, I'll remind you of this. The reality is if you have a family, then whether it's leading in your family, if you have a job leading to some degree at your workplace, for those of you who are in school, uh, God wants to use you to affect and to lead change there even in your school. The reality is in some form or fashion, every person in this room is a leader in some way and God wants to use your life he wants to use your leadership to be a conduit of grace to those people around you. So let's just get into our Bible study, starting in verse number 17, and we're just going to go verse by verse, unpacking this a little bit today. I want you to notice in verse 17, it starts out with this sentence, Then said I unto them. Now, the reason this is so significant is the fact that by the time we get to verse number 17, uh, some six months, seven months has already passed by since Nehemiah chapter number one, verse number one. In fact, in the previous verse of chapter number two and verse number 16, it says, neither had I told uh, the Jews what was in my heart. Neither I told the priests or the nobles or the rulers. He said, none of this I had made public. And so for like six or seven months, Nehemiah has kept all of this in his heart. Everything that God was putting on his mind, everything that God was putting on his soul, he just kind of let it marinate in his soul for a while. But finally the time came where he was going to go public with what he believed God was leading them to do. Which leads us to our first primary thought this morning. If you're taking notes, I want you to see a visionary plan. Nehemiah's visionary plan. This is going to be in verses number 17 and verses number 18. And I will say this, at some point in your life, 
as you are going to be a conduit of God's grace, of courageous leadership, whether it's in your marriage, uh, whether it's in your relationship with your children and your family, uh, whether it's at your workplace, if God's going to use you to make an impact, if, if God's going to use you to make a difference in your neighborhood, in your community, at your school, in your family, there's going to come a moment where you have to step out by faith and kind of go public with what God has laid on your heart. The reality is it's a wonderful thing to have dreams. It's a wonderful thing to make plans. It's a wonderful thing to prepare in your heart. This is what I want to do in my marriage. or This is how I want to see our family move forward. This is how I want to advance in a career. But the reality is there comes a moment where it can't just stay inside. There comes a moment where you have to kind of go public with it. And so we see this visionary plan. And in verses number 17 through verse number 18, we see it broken up into three uh, different parts. Notice, first of all here, uh, we see Nehemiah addresses the problem here in verse number 17. He addresses the problem. He says, then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. So the first thing that Nehemiah does as part of his visionary plan is he has to address the problem. And can I say to you and I today, if we're going to be conduits of God's grace to make an impact, to make a difference in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods, there has to come a point where we see the issues that need to be engaged. It is not a spiritual thing to simply sweep problems under the carpet. It's not a spiritual thing to, to kind of you know, put your head in the sand and pretend like there are no issues in the world around us. The reality is this, there are problems in our world. There are issues in our city. There are things that need to be addressed. And it's going to take some spirit-filled, courageous leaders who say, by God's grace, I want to make a difference in my family. I want to make a difference in our neighborhood. I want to make a difference in this community because God often pours out his grace to the people around you through your courageous leadership. But that's not going to happen until, first of all, you address the problems. Uh, the reality is this. There might be some of you and, and there's, some, there's some problems in your relationships. It's not a spiritual thing to put your head in the sand and pretend like those problems don't exist. It's not a spiritual thing to ignore the problems in front of you. It's not like we can just come to a place and pretend, well, it doesn't exist. And if I, if I, you know, how many of you, how many of you have ever had a kid and, uh, you know, they'll just put their, put their uh, fingers in their ears and la, 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 like they don't want to hear anything. They don't want to see anything. And, and, and to be honest, a lot of us can do that in the spiritual realm when it comes to situations and problems that come to our life. We just want to ignore it. Maybe if I, just, if I just ignore it long enough, it'll all go away. And I want to remind you of something today. Man, here Nehemiah, one of the things that made him a spiritual leader is the fact that he was able to address the problems. It says here in verse number 17, he says, you see the distress we're in. This is Nehemiah talking to the people of Israel. He's saying, you've seen this. Like for 80 years, this has been going on. This was not just something that happened the year before. I mean, this was years upon years, decades upon decades of problems and issues and Nehemiah comes along the scene. He travels this 150 miles to get there to Jerusalem. And finally he says, hey, there's a problem here. 
We've got to address this thing. And he says, you see it. And he says, it's, this is not something that's like, you know, a secret. He says, you see these problems. But here's what I love about Nehemiah. His visionary plan did not stop with just seeing problems. And this is one of the reasons we know that Nehemiah was a spirit-filled individual. Because if this would just stop here, if all that happened was Nehemiah saw a problem, that he realized an issue existed, that would not make him a spiritual leader. If all he did was talk about what was wrong, what, you know, wasn't right, you know, if, if, if the story ended there, what, what good would that do? He, he would just be kind of a, uh, just a pessimistic, complaining old grouch. But one of the things that made Nehemiah a leader is he didn't stop with addressing the problem. Uh, notice what happens in the middle of verse number 17. It says here, he says, you see the problems, but then in the middle of the verse it says, it says and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Number two, not only does he address the problem, I want you to see he proposes a solution. And this is one of the things that allows Nehemiah to be a spirit-filled leader. He's not just looking at the situation and seeing the problems. Here he comes along and he proposes a solution. And one of the marks of a grace-filled, spirit-filled individual leader is when they come into a situation, yes, they can see the problem, but they also have a heart to propose a solution. And not just propose a solution, but notice what it says here in verse number 17. It says, come and let us build. He doesn't say, here's a problem, now you go do something about it. Because a lot of that us, that's what we'll do, right? We see a problem in our marriage and we'll go to our spouse. Hey, I see a problem. What are you going to do about it? When we go to the boss, you know, hey, there's a problem at work. What are you, you going to do about it? You know, we get to a place and maybe it's in our, uh, you know, some other arena of our life, you know, we're like, hey, here's the problem. What are you going to do about it? It does not take a spiritual individual to see a problem. Any, any average Joe can see the problems in the world. It doesn't take you five minutes of watching the news to realize there's problems in our community, that there are issues that need to be addressed in our world. It doesn't take a spirit-filled individual to do that, but it does take a spirit-filled, grace-driven person to propose and be willing to be a part of the solution. That is to say, man, when we step into our marriage relationships, if we see that there are some issues that are there, our heartbeat as the grace of God is working through us is saying, hey, how can I be a part of the solution? Bring yourself by God's grace of of being a a tool, a mechanism of reconciliation and of help. Maybe it's as you're working with kids. Some of you have young kids in this room. You know what? Yes, there is sometimes a place to go tell your kids, go clean your room. All right, you're a parent. That's something you need to do. You see a problem. The room is a mess. You propose a solution. Son, go clean it. All right? But sometimes in wisdom, one of the best ways to help encourage people around you is by rather than just telling them to do something, to say, hey, come alongside of me and let us do this together. It wouldn't always be a bad thing, parents, for you to go to your kids and say, hey, come on, junior, let's go clean up your room. You know, you tell your teenage son to go into the backyard and rake up leaves. It wouldn't always be an unhealthy thing. In fact, it could be a wise thing to put your arm around your son and say, hey, we, me and you together, let's go out, let's, let's take care of the backyard. You see a problem, all right? 
You propose a solution where you're a part of it. This is just wisdom. And this is what Nehemiah is doing here. As the grace of God is working in his heart, he sees an issue, but then he proposes a solution and he's willing to be a part of that solution. It's called mentoring. And one of the things Nehemiah wants to do is he's trying to mentor here the people, the children of Israel, to be a part. And so he says here, he addresses the problem. He proposes a solution. But notice in the end of verse number 17 what it says. He says, let us build up the wall. Now, we, we can read through the rest of this chapter and the rest of this book and we'll find out that this was going to take a lot of hard, hard work. But Nehemiah was willing to ap- propose a solution that would take work. I find that oftentimes the things that need to be done, the reason they haven't been done is because they're hard things. And we need some spirit-filled individuals of God to say, I'm willing to step in to do the hard thing. I'm not just going to see the problems in a marriage. I'm not going to just see the problems in the community. I don't want to just see the problems in the world around me. I, I want to I find a solution. In fact, I want to be a part of the solution by God's grace and for his glory. And that's what's taking he- place here. Nehemiah is leaning into the problem. Nehemiah is saying, I want to be a part of this solution. And so he proposes a solution. I, I love this. Do you, see the, do you see kind of the tension here? Nehemiah, he was willing to see reality for what it was, but he didn't let the reality of 80 years of a city that was broken down and the gates burned with fire, he didn't allow the reality of what was keep him from having faith in what could be. And this is where spirit-filled individuals are maybe a little bit different than your average Joe, because there are people in our world who can see the problem but they can't maintain a heart of faith in a solution. And then you have people, and, and uh, man, they have all kinds of faith, and they have optimism, and they have hope, and they just, everything's going to be all right, and everything's going to work out. And they've almost got this pseudo-positivity about them that is not anchored in reality. And so we see here in this passage an individual by the Spirit of God who's able to grapple these tensions. They are able to see exactly what's wrong, but it doesn't affect their spirit. And Nehemiah wasn't just a person who believed everything was going to work out okay, but didn't notice the problems. He was able to navigate both. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing when in a marriage, there are people who can see the reality of what is. They can see the issues that exist in the marriage or in the relationship. They can identify the problem, but they don't allow the reality of what is keep them from having faith and hope and uh, just an expectation of what God can do in the midst of that problem. They can maintain a spirit of faith. It's a beautiful thing. I know other Christians in there, oh, God's going to work everything out and everything's going to come together and everything's going to be super duper dandy, but they, they, they don't know how to identify a problem. They're not willing to lean into a solution because, you know, God's just up there and he's going to work it all out. There's a beautiful, beautiful tension that needs to be resolved as spirit-filled individuals are able to be both of these things. See the reality, but not allow the reality to diminish their faith, their hope, and their optimism. And on the flip side, be the type of Christian who's not so positive that they, they're blind to the issues in the world around them. 
Do you see how both of these things are important? And that's what Nehemiah is addressing here. He addresses the problem, but it doesn't affect his spirit. And that's what I want to encourage you guys with today. Yes, you've got to engage the health situations that are happening. If you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you, hey, you've got some health issues, don't ignore it. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't sweep that on the car. Recognize it for what it is. Propose what's the solution, but then maintain a heart of optimism and faith, not in yourself, but in God. We could take and play this out in any scenario you so choose, but I want to encourage you to be the type of person that sees issues, that sees problems, but doesn't allow it to affect your spirit, your hope in God. Verse number 18, so we see in verse 17, he addresses the problem. In verse number, uh, end of verse 17, we see he proposes a solution. Uh, Notice here, verse number 18. He says, then, okay, so after he noticed the problem, after he had proposed a solution that he was going to be a part of, that he was going to engage in, verse 18, then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. So number three, not only do we see here he addresses the problem, not only does he propose a solution that he's willing to be a part of, number three, he encourages them in the Lord. He says, hey, I know we've got an issue. I know it's going to take a lot of hard work to to resolve this issue. And and maybe in your marriage you see an issue and you know it's going to take a lot of hard work that both people be involved in order to overcome this thing. But notice what Nehemiah, as a conduit of God's grace, of courageous leadership, we see in this passage here that he encourages them in the Lord. He encourages them. He says, hey, look at what God's doing. He says here in verse number 18, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good unto me he says I, I he said i want to encourage you and so he then he begins to relay what happened in chapter number one how when he went to the king chapter number two and the king's hand of favor was upon him and he he encouraged the people at jerusalem how god was orchestrating things and god was moving and notice it says he 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 told them all that god had done Can I remind you of this? As a spirit-filled leader, whether it's in your home, whether it's at your workplace, whether it's in your community, always bring God into the equation. Because Because God is the difference of what is and what can be tomorrow. I know when you look at the reality of where your marriage is at. I know when you look at the reality of where your family relationship status is at. I know when you look at your health situation or your financial situation, you can scratch your head and say, I don't see a solution. I don't see a way through this. And in reality, there might not be a way through it. But once you add God to the equation, once you see what God can do, as as he's able to undo the supernatural... God can do what we can't do. And so Nehemiah, in his wisdom, he brings God into this situation. He says, God can do what we can't do. Why? What's his motive for all of this? Why Why does he want to address this problem? Why does he want to propose a solution? Well, he tells us here at the end of verse number 18, he says here, uh, he says, I told them, the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. And notice the end of verse 17. He says here, that we may be no more a reproach. So uh, in ancient biblical times, so we're talking 2,500 years ago, in their culture, in that day and age, 
Your God's reputation hinged on its temple from a secular perspective. So as the children of Israel had built their temple to God, their temple had no wall around it. Now, this was symbolic in some ways that maybe you and I wouldn't naturally think about 2,500 years later. But in their region of the world, when the unbelieving pagans would look at the temple of the true and living God, Nehemiah's God, and when they would see their temple, but there was no wall around it, the wall was broken down, the gates around their temple was burned with fire, that would have a very negative connotation, a very negative reflection on their God. Because in that day and age, the strength of your God would be revealed in the walls around that God's temple. And so even though these were unsaved people, the Sanballat and Tobiah that we are going to see in verse number 19, when they saw this temple of the true and living God, and yet the walls around it were broken down and the, the gates were burned with fire, that, was, that reflected poorly on the true God of heaven. It did not honor the Lord from the people's perspective. It, it caused people from neighboring countries to kind of laugh and to kind of scorn and to mock. And so Nehemiah comes along and he says, hey, it's not good that this, this temple, that these walls are a reproach upon us and our God. And so what Nehemiah is saying, he's saying, this is not just about us. This is about the reputation of our God. And if God is true, and if this is the true and living God, then he deserves to be, to be uh, manifest. He, he deserves to be revealed in a way that would lift him up in the regions around. Literally, what Nehemiah is saying here is he's reminding us that this is also for the glory of God. And I want to remind you of this fact, whether it is you're addressing situations in your marriage or at your workplace, that we would understand the, the primary reason for this is not just so we will have better relationships. Not just so, you know, I can fix my health. Ultimately, we understand that this is ultimately for the glory of God. Revelation chapter number 4, verse 11 has this to say. He says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, my friends, notice this. He says, I, I told them of the hand of God that was upon me. When we get to the place in our lives where we are so satisfied in all that God has done, okay, when we, when we really allow what God has done in our lives to saturate our mind and saturate our heart and saturate our lives, we can be free of ulterior motives, selfish ambition, and personal glory. It's at that moment that we begin to understand what it truly means to live for the glory of God. Now get this. If we are not satisfied in what God has done, like Nehemiah says, hey, let me tell you about what God's done. If you're not satisfied with what God has done in your lives, then you're going to be susceptible to having ulterior motives because you're going to be trying to get something from God. You're going to be trying to get something from this world. Why? Because you're not satisfied with what God's done. And so ulterior motive, selfish ambition, a drive for personal glory is naturally what happens in the life of an individual who's not satisfied in all that God has done. And this is why it's so important that you regularly preach to yourself the goodness of God upon your life and what God has done for you. 
the only then, only at this point can we begin to understand what it truly means to, to live for the glory of God. So we see in this passage the visionary plan. Nehemiah, as this leader, stands up, he addresses the problem. He proposes a solution. He's willing to be a part of it, to mentor them in this thing. And then he encourages them in the Lord. And may we do the same thing. As God uses us as a conduit of grace to people in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and at our workplaces, we got to see the problems. Okay? It's not, it's not spiritual to stick our heads in the sand. we got to see them for what it is. But we need to maintain an optimistic hope and faith in God and not allow the reality of what is to crush our spirit to the place where we can no longer anticipate God doing great and wonderful things in the days ahead because God is the difference between what is today and what can be tomorrow. So we see the visionary plan. But notice here in verses number 18 through 20, we see the various reactions. The various reactions. Notice what the Bible says here. Verse number 19. Uh, we'll start in the middle of verse 18. And they said, so what did, what did the group say? What did the people, the children of Israel say? They said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. So everybody that was listening, all the rulers and the leaders there in Jerusalem, when they heard what Nehemiah said, when he cast the vision of what God wanted to do and how God had been working, they strengthened their hands. They were encouraged. They said, let's do this thing. This is exciting. This is awesome. But notice what happened in verse number uh, 19. But when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant of the Ammonite and Gershom and Arabian heard it, they laughed laughed us to scorn and despised us. Do you see the you see the various reactions? Not everybody responded well to Nehemiah's plan. Not everybody was like, "Woo, Nehemiah, you go. This is awesome. Man, we love you." And and here here's the point I want to make. When you step out by faith to be a leader at your workplace, when you decide that, "Man, in our relationships, I want to take this thing to the next level." I want to grow in my family relationships. I, I want to grow in this, this arena or that arena of my life. Mark it down. Not everybody's going to be happy with you. Can I say this? As human beings, we're fickle. We're fickle. Some people are going to like it. Some pe- people won't. I remember one time, I was several years back, I was on the phone with somebody. I was kind of, comp- I was like, man, I'm, it's so tough being a leader, you know, you're trying to lead and this person's there and that person's there and it seems like no matter what you do, if there's somebody that's unhappy with the decisions you're making or whatever the case may be. And I remember uh, one of my mentors telling me, he said, hey, if you want to make everybody happy, uh, then don't be a leader. Go sell ice cream. That makes everybody happy. <laughs> I was like, I like ice cream. Ice cream's good. Can I, can I just say this? If you're going to lead your family, you're going to lead your kids, you're not always going to make your kids happy. If you're going to be a leader at your workplace, in your community, mark it down. You will have opposition. You will have your critics. You will have people who don't like it. It's just a part of being a leader. Accept it. The only alternative is doing nothing, saying nothing, and being nothing. You're going to have people who don't like what you do. It's a part of the job. And if you're going to lead in your family, if you're going to lead in your marriage, if you're going to lead at work, if you're going to lead in your community, mark it down. There are going to be moments where somebody doesn't like something you're doing. How many of you parents have ever made a decision that your children did not like? (laughs) 
We've all been there, right? It's just a part of life. We see these two reactions here. We see a positive reaction. Man, they said, let us rise up and build. I love the personal ownership, the first group, these people that were listening to Nehemiah. Let us rise up and build. Nehemiah said, let us build this wall. And here they were taking personal ownership. They were saying, let us do this. Anytime God begins to move, one of the marks that God's upon us, there's a group of people that'll say, this is, this is, yes, this is where we need to be going. This is what we need to be doing, a positive reaction. But then in verse number 19, we see a negative reaction. Notice the words that are used. It says they laughed us to scorn. Literally, they mocked us. They made fun of us. Mark it down. If you try to lead, if you try to bring restoration and reconciliation in this community, if you try to step out and do something for God, if you try to move your marriage or move here, your relationships forward and your relationship with children and people around you, mark it down. There will be some people who will make fun of it. There will be some people who ridicule it. There will be some people who make fun of it. That's what happened to Nehemiah. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. In fact, later on, you're going to see where this guy tells Nehemiah, your wall's so small, it's so weak. If a little baby fox started climbing on your wall, it'd probably all fall apart. He starts ridiculing their work. And mark it down, you're going to have people who are going to ridicule your work. Anytime you're trying to do something good, and he try, and this is, this is why Christians, they're like, pastor, they come to me. I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do, and it's just making it harder. Yes, sometimes it's harder to do what's right. <laughs> but in the long run, it's always better. It is hard to do what's right. So I want to say to you, do the hard thing. When it comes to your health, do the hard thing. When it comes to your finances, be willing to do the hard thing sometimes. When it comes to your relationships with people, be willing to do the hard things to build those relationships up. Yes, it's hard, but it's worth it. They despised them. Notice what it says here. It says they ridiculed them, verse 19. They laughed us to scorn. They despised us. They ridiculed us. But notice this, and I love, and we'll kind of look at this. He says in the end of verse 19, what is this thing that ye do? This is their, his critics. He says here, Will ye rebel against the king? So here his critics are saying, I can't believe you're building this wall. Are you going to rebel against King Artaxerxes and build this wall? Now, we know the story. Nehemiah's already talked to King Artaxerxes. He's already gotten permission. In fact, as we saw a couple verses ago, he was excited about it. He was for it. But here's what his critics were trying to do. His critics tried to take the moral high ground. His critics were like, hey, you know what? Why, aren't you, you're, why are you breaking the law? How dare you? I'm going to say this. Your critics will always try to take the moral high, high ground every single time. There never will come a time where somebody who's a critic or somebody who goes against kind of what maybe God's trying to do that will say, I'm a rebellious, sinful, horrible, bad attitude, awful person, and this is why I'm against what God is doing in this situation. Never. Every time somebody goes against you, they're going to take a moral high ground. They're going to have a moral reason for why they should oppose what you're doing. Every single time. Socrates, who said it this way, he said, biases have, rational, have rationality that logic knows not of. <laughs> what? Biases. When somebody has a bias against what needs to happen, biases have a, a rationality. They're able to rational, rationalize things in ways that logic itself knows 
not of. Can I encourage you and I help you understand when you step out to lead, you're going to have your critics too. Just expect it and understand that God is bigger than that. Notice, let's end in verse number 20. So what does Nehemiah do? Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. You see, Nehemiah's trust was not in the people of Israel. His trust was not in his own abilities. His trust was not in his own leadership. His trust was not in his personality. His trust came from God. He said, my God's big enough. My God's smart enough. My God is wide enough, wise enough. And my God will make this thing happen. And so when you're seeking to bring about change in your relationships, and when you believe God wants you to step out and, and bring about change in a community or in a neighborhood, understand it's not because of what you can do or what because the people around you can do. If it's gonna prosper, it's because God, God will prosper it. And I want to say this, in the end, God always wins. And that is where our hope and our confidence lies. You see, my friends, when there are things that are broken in the world, whether it's in marriages or in families, whether it's in health situations or financial situations, God often uses a spirit-filled, courageous leader a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, an employee, a manager, a director. He often uses a spirit-filled, courageous leader to pour his grace through in order to make a difference. And I believe that God wants to use many of you to make an impact in our world in the coming days. Will you surrender to him? Will you be willing to do the hard thing to make a difference that will literally last for an eternity. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.